Thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Pastor Brock Nevitt will bring our message. Let's listen in. Hey, this is, uh, gosh, this is my first time speaking on this stage. Yeah, congratulations me, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) What does that mean? Uh, You guys look like tiny ants down there. The stage is huge. (laughs) Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's the Christmas season. Um, I'll have you know. uh, Does anybody, show of hands, anybody not have a Christmas tree up in their house yet? Wow, more than more than I thought. I'll have you know, this is going to surprise some of you, those of you who know me. Uh, we had a tree up in our house the day after Thanksgiving, which is the absolute earliest that you can possibly put up a Christmas tree. <laughs> I just want you to know. That is, and, and that really uh, violates a rule of mine. Um, I really think that December 1st is, you're, you're okay, you get a pass December 1st, um, but you know, let the other holidays have, have their time. Uh, everything in its season, right? Everything in its season. Um, sorry. But we're, we, are, we are in week number two of our Christmas series called Do You See What I See? Last week, Michael uh, opened us up with uh, Do You See What I See in the Midst of Silence? If you weren't here, um, he, talked about, uh, he talked about how sometimes we go through seasons where, where the Lord is silent when we might not hear the voice of the Lord. And then there's sometimes where we need to silence ourselves in order to hear God better. And, and especially in this, in this season, in, in the Christmas season, I mean, this is, uh, this is what, the happiest time of the year? It's really the busiest time of the year. Is that not right? I mean, this is the busiest time of the year, and sometimes it is uh, such a good reminder to silence ourselves, silence the busyness of life, silence the busyness of the season, and really hear and see what the Lord is trying to do in this season. So Michael opened us up last week with that. This week we're going to talk about uncertainty. Do you see what I see in the midst of uncertainty? Everyone say uncertainty. uncertainty. That's what we're going to talk about this week. And you really see you really see this theme. I mean, you see uncertainty. Is anybody ever dealt with better question, anyone ever not dealt with uncertainty in your life? Yeah, I don't think so. That was an uncertainty joke. <laughs> Sorry, I'll scratch that one out. Okay. <laughs> no, everybody deals with uncertainty. Everyone deals with uncertain times. Everyone deals with, with situations where you're not sure what the Lord is trying to do. You're not sure what the Lord is trying to say. You're not sure what the next step in your life is going to be. You're not sure how to make that next step happen. It's all throughout life and it's all throughout scripture. We see uncertainty 
everywhere, and we see uncertainty even in the the giants of the faith, even in the most famous uh, Sunday school stories. As you read from Genesis to Revelation, it is all the way through. There's uncertainty everywhere. You think about Noah. I mean, people believe that, that it might not have ever rained before Noah's time. Do you know that? It might, it might have been the first time that it had ever rained when Noah stepped into the ark. Do you think there was uncertainty as he's building that boat, as he's being mocked and ridiculed by his friends and neighbors? I think there was probably uncertainty there. Do you think there was uncertainty with Abraham when the Lord tells Abraham, go, <laughs> take your family, pack up your things, and go? Where am I going, Lord? I'll tell you when you get there. I feel like Abraham probably dealt with some uncertainty. There's uncertainty all throughout Scripture, and the Christmas story is no different. Y'all want to do a sword drill? We like doing sword drills with, with the youth. If you don't know, I'm the, I'm the youth pastor here. We have the youth of uh, teenagers over uh, at our house every Wednesday, and pretty much every Wednesday uh, we, do, we do sword drills. Okay, so how you, if you don't know, this is how sword drills work. I'm going to name a scripture. You're going to go find it in the Bible. The first one to find it wins. Okay, rules. All right, rules. Your Bible has to be closed. Has to be on your lap, hands in the air. On your lap. <laughs> on your lap, hands in the air. I'm going to name a scripture. First one, first one to get there, I don't know. Uh, yell... Merry Christmas. Okay. All right. Are you ready? On your mark, get set. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'll play along with you. Oh, oh my goodness. I, oh, wow. Who was that? Tori? She said it quick, too. We'll give it to her. Oh, Rachel? Congratulations, Rachel. You can see Brandon after service. He'll give you a prize or something, I think. Okay. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 that's pretty much where we're going to stay we're going to plant here uh, for the next half hour or so Um, and we're going to see there's a couple stories here in Luke chapter 1 we're going to see we're going to see some uncertainty through these stories starting in verse (coughs) 5 Starting in verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So who... Who are our characters? Number one, character. What? I heard it over here. Zechariah, yes. This is an open book quiz, and we literally just read it, okay? (laughs) Zechariah is our first character, Zechariah, and he had a wife named Elizabeth. Oh, you guys are getting better. Very good. That was exponential growth. (laughs) Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth. And what was Zechariah's occupation? Priest. 
He was a priest. He was a priest of God. And both Zechariah and Elizabeth, we know, they're old fogies. They are old. They probably grew up watching Andy Griffith and Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. If you, guys, if you guys identify with that joke, you might identify with Zechariah and Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Come back, Holy Spirit. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest. Elizabeth is from the priestly line. They're both blameless, they are good people, they follow the Lord, they do what is right in the eyes of God, and yet they are without child. And at this point, they're both beyond childbearing age, and it seems maybe hopeless. Let's move on. Verse eight. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, let's, talk, let's stop there. Let's talk about incense, because I don't think that this is, I don't think it's a coincidence what's happening right here. I don't think that, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think it's a coincidence that Zechariah's name was chosen by lot, chosen seemingly at random, right? I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that it was chosen by Lot to perform this ritual of burning incense. I don't think, I don't think that was a coincidence, and you'll see why here in a second. If you know anything about, about this ritual, I had to do a little bit of research, so biblical scholars in the room, you can fact check me maybe, but I had to do a little bit of research on, uh, on, what, this, on what this means, what this looks like, well, how, what, 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 is, what is burning incense and what does that ritual really uh, look like? And, and I found out that the priest would burn incense twice a day. They would do it twice a day, morning and evening. That's, that's when they would do it. And someone is chosen, they're chosen kind of at random, chose their, maybe their name is drawn out of a hat. This person, in this case it's Zechariah, is going to uh, perform the ritual of burning the incense in the temple of God. And so what he does is he takes the burning coals, he takes one of the coals out of the, uh, from, from the altar of burnt offering, he takes one of the coals out of there, and that's what he's going to use to uh, ignite the incense, to light the incense and, and release that, that aroma. He takes that coal, he brings it uh, from outside <coughs> at the, at the uh, altar there, he brings it into the temple. And if you know anything about the temple, you know that there's different uh, levels as you, as you progress through the temple. There's these different levels, and as you progress through from one to the next, it goes, um, it increases in its, uh, in, in its sacredness, I guess you would say. It, 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 it increases in holiness. And so they, they go into the first uh, part there. He goes past there. He goes into what's called the holy place. Everyone say the holy place. He goes into the holy place. If you make it, if you go past the holy place, it, past that is the what's called the most holy place. They were very creative. 
the most holy place. Some people call it the holy of holies. So we have the holy place, we have the most holy place. And in the most holy place, behind that veil, behind that curtain, that's where we find uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant. That's where we find the mercy seat, the cherubim, the, the angelic beings um, surrounding that. And that is the presence of God is, is filled in that room. And if you go into that room and you are not authorized to go into that room, bad things happen. In fact, only one person is allowed in that room. That's the high priest. And only once a year is he allowed to go in there. And that's the Day of Atonement. Now, that's separate, okay? That's the most holy place. We are just one step outside of the most holy place. Zechariah can probably see it right there. He can see the veil right there, but he is in the holy place, and that's where the altar of incense is. That's where um, I'm kind of picturing almost like a bathroom vanity type of style. This table, um, somewhere around three feet high, it has a bowl uh, on it, and that's where they would put the incense, that's where they would burn the incense, and it would release a fragrant offering to the Lord. Interestingly enough, there was a specific mixture of spices and, I don't know, incense recipe. I'm not, I've never made incense, so I don't know how it works. <laughs> But there's a specific recipe just for that purpose. And the Lord says, if anyone tries to duplicate this recipe or burn this incense for anything else, again, bad things are going to happen to that individual. So this is very specific. It is sacred. And this is just used for this purpose. And if you, if you research incense and if you, if you read throughout, throughout the Bible, you kind of find, how many of you know that that a lot of things in scripture are symbolic, especially when it comes to the temple and these rituals that are performed, you know, surrounding the, the temple and sacrifice and all of these things. There is a lot of symbolism uh, surrounding these things. Incense is no different. Incense represents prayer in the Bible. You kind of see that throughout. I mean, in, in the Psalms, David says, let my, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting over the sickness, guys, if y'all like, I don't know. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you, Nala. They burn incense and it, and it represents prayer. David says in the Psalms that let, let my prayers, Lord, let my prayers rise as incense to you as a fragrant offering. Of course, in Revelation, we see that, that John, John's noticing this bowl of incense, and he says this bowl of incense is, in fact, the prayers of the saints. So we see that, that incense, burning this incense, it represents prayer. And in fact, if we go to the very next verse, uh, verse 10, it says, And the whole multitude, while, while Zechariah is, is inside burning this incense before the Lord, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So it's almost as if the people are praying, everyone is praying, and I'm picturing this uh, a mixture of priests and lay people, and I'm no, I don't know, maybe I'm just drawing that out of my own imagination, but I'm just picturing this mixture of priests and lay people as the church is meant to be praying and as they're praying and lifting up their petitions to the Lord, Zechariah is taking the symbolic prayers of the people inside to God and offering them in the holy place and saying, Lord, hear the prayer of the people. Hear the prayers of God. Here's, hear the prayers, Lord. 
That's symbolic of, of what's happening. Here's why I don't think that's a coincidence. Here's why I don't think it's a coincidence that Zechariah was the one that was chosen by random for this specific task. In verse 11, he's inside, he's offering the incense, outside everybody is praying. In verse 11 it says, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. That kind of seems to happen a lot <laughs> when, when people see angels, like the fear falls upon them. They're like scared out of their minds when they see angels. I've never seen an angel except the one that I married. I think she's, she's, she's watching online, I believe, at home. Um, if she's not, make sure that y'all tell her I said that. <laughs> She's at home, uh, she's at home, she's, she's not feeling great, our toddler's not feeling great, um, so if y'all could burn some incense on her, on their behalf. Thank you, JP. John Parker, ladies and gentlemen. So I've never seen an angel, um, but after hearing all of this, I'm not sure that I want to. They sound terrifying. Everybody, everybody that I know, read about here, like they're all, they all say the same thing. Dude, that was scary. It says, uh, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. In verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's a strong word. Can you imagine, like, that's, what an incredible day for Zechariah. I mean, can you imagine going home at the end of the day and, like, you're sitting around the dinner table and Elizabeth asks, well, how was your day, honey? Well, let me tell you. First off, first off, my name, guess, guess whose name was chosen to go into the temple and light the incense? This guy. How about that? And Elizabeth's like, oh, you've been wanting to do that forever. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Oh yeah, oh, well hold on. It gets better. <laughs> While I'm in there, the craziest thing happened. I saw an angel. You saw what? I saw an angel. What kind of incense were you burning? I no, 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 for real, I saw an angel. He appeared to me. He appeared to me. 
wow, that's, wow, you, not only did you get to go into the, you, you got to do that, and, and, but then while you're in there, you saw an angel, that's incredible. Oh, but, but wait, it gets even better, okay? Because the angel told me we were going to have a son. We're going to have a child. Isn't that incredible? Wow, yes, that's incredible. It gets better. Because <laughs> not only are we just going to, not, not only are we going to have a child, but this child is going to be incredible. This child is going to, is going to spark revival throughout the, throughout the nation. He's going to turn hearts of people back to the Lord. He's going to drive out idolatry. He's going to drive out wickedness. He's going to come. The angel said, like Elijah. You remember reading about Elijah? Our son is going to be filled with the spirit of Elijah, and he's going to walk in that power throughout Israel. Isn't that incredible? What a day. How exciting. Except here was Zechariah's response. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah did one thing, right? He didn't reveal his wife's age. He just simply said, <laughs> he simply said, advanced in years. Okay, we'll use that. <laughs> Zechariah doesn't give quite the response that the angel's looking for doesn't give quite the excitement that Gabriel had expected. But can you really blame him? I mean, on one hand, he, he, he just saw an angel while he's performing this ritual of, of offering the prayers to, to the Lord. That's, that's pretty incredible. But on the other hand, He's been praying for a long time and not seeing any results. He had, I don't know how long he'd been praying, but he'd, we know that he's been praying because the angel says, your prayer was heard. He'd been praying for a long time and he never saw anything. While he was while he and Elizabeth were young, he was praying. And as they're getting older, he's still praying. And he's believing, and he has faith. God, you can do this. I know you can do this. We want, we want a child, Lord. Give us a child, Lord. Give us a child, Father. Week after week, those turn into months. Months turn into years. All around him, people are having children. Nothing for Zechariah, nothing for Elizabeth. We're getting older, Lord. <laughs> if you're going to do something, please. You got to do something now, God. I'm still praying, I'm still believing. And nothing. 
And at some point, at some point, don't you know that Zechariah's prayer all of a sudden turned to, I guess this is just my lot in life. I guess this is just isn't going to happen. You know, I'm going to be an incredible uncle to, to my my to my other family, you know, my nieces and nephews. I'm going to, that, it's, that's going to be great. I'm going, to, I'm going to be an incredible father figure to the people around me, you know, the, the, the people in my neighbor, the children in my neighborhood, they can look up to me, but for me and, and, and Elizabeth, it's just, it's not gonna happen for us. At some point, don't you know that he, that he resolved himself to that mindset? Can't you see that? At some point, he said to himself, if the Lord was going to do it, he would have done it by now. If the Lord was going to do it, it would have already been done, but now, now we're too old. And it just doesn't happen like that. So can you blame him when he says to the angel, <coughs> how shall I know this? Give me some sort of sign. Give me proof. How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So the angel Gabriel gives him a word, an incredible word, something that he's been praying for for so long and uncertainty creeps in. Nothing wrong with uncertainty. Nothing, nothing necessarily wrong with uncertainty until that uncertainty turned into doubt. And he began to, to doubt what the angel was saying. I don't, I don't really believe this. I don't really believe what, what you're saying here. Let me, let me ask you a question. Let me make it a little bit more personal. I don't know if I really need to because some of you are already asking yourself this question. What have you been believing for? What have you been praying for? There's some people in this room that you've been praying for something for a long time. You've been praying for something for a long time and you haven't seen any results. Where are you, Lord? What are you doing? Last week, Michael talked about silence. You've been praying for a long time and there's nothing but silence. You've been praying for a long time and you don't see any results. You might be praying for healing. You might be praying for salvation of a loved one. You might be praying for financial breakthrough. I don't know what, what you're praying for. There's something that you've been praying for for a long time and you know it. It's right here at the top of your brain. You know what that thing is. And I want to tell you, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Because you have no idea. 
when that thing becomes impossible to you, when that thing looks like, no, it's never going to happen, when that thing looks like, no, it's just my lot in life, it's impossible at this point, don't you know that the Lord works impossible things? Don't you know that he's a God of miracles and that, I mean, when, when things look absolutely like there's no possibility of this thing happens, like that's when the Lord will decide to do something? Listen, I don't wanna say that it's actually going, I don't want to say that the, your healing is coming today. I don't want to tell you that your healing is coming tomorrow. I'm not even going to tell you that your healing is coming on this side of eternity, but I know that your healing is coming. I know it's coming. Don't stop. Don't stop. And don't let your heart become calloused by, by unbelief to the point where when the Lord gives you a promise for something, your uncertainty turns into doubt. Let the Lord find you in a moment of faith, not in a moment of doubt. But I have good news. I have good news. We're gonna get to the angel's response here in a second, but I, I, I have really good news. Even through Zechariah's doubt in that moment, the Lord didn't take his promise away. Isn't that cool? Even through his doubt. And it's, and it's, almost, it's almost as if, because, because Zechariah had been praying for so long, it's almost as if when he prayed, it's as if his faith in that moment as a younger man, it's as if his faith in that moment was strong enough to propel the promises of God into fulfillment even through his doubt. It's propelling it through his doubt in his older years, his faith in his younger years. Is that, is that incredible? That's pretty cool to me. It's almost as if when the Lord speaks a word, even though you doubt it, it's almost as if that word is not going to return void. That it's going to actually accomplish what it was sent out to do. Yeah. It's pretty cool to me. So how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, Bro, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, I am an angel, okay? Are you serious? Like, you're here in the holy place, and I just appeared to you. I am an angel, and not only an angel, I am Gabriel, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I am Gabriel. I sit in the heavenly realm with the Father, okay? I, I, this is who I am. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you good news, but you didn't see my good news, you just saw your doubt. And behold, you want a sign, you want proof, here's your proof right here. <laughs> and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. as if Gabriel silenced the unbelief. Do you feel like do you feel like that was do you feel like that was less of a punishment and more that's just for your own good? 
I'm, don't, don't second guess the promises of God anymore. I'm going to, this is for your good that I'm going to silence the unbelief in your life so that you can no longer speak those things into existence. And you're just going to sit back and you're going to watch the fulfillment of God in your life. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. I bet over the next nine, ten months or whatever, I bet Zechariah is the guy you wanted on your charades team. I bet he got really good at it. (laughs) And when the time of his service was ended, he went home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among people. That's awesome. What a great story. And then the very next, this very next uh, passage, this very next uh, uh, story here, we see something very similar. We see something very similar, a similar encounter, but with very different, uh, uh, different results, a different response. In verse 26, It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting is this. What are you, who, who are you, what are you saying? And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Amen? Yes. Yes. And then Mary has a chance to respond. See how this is very similar? I mean, it's, this is an incredibly similar encounter right here. An angel shows up seemingly out of nowhere. He gives a word about a child to be born, and equally impossible, a little bit different uh, reason for the impossibility, uh, but, but still impossible, still impossible, and Mary has a chance to, to respond to this word. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I took Phlebas, I know, What's going on here? 
Some of you, if you didn't grow up in CMS, you don't know what I'm talking about. <coughs> How will this be since I am a virgin? Similar, similar response with one major difference. You see, Mary questioned the process. And Zechariah questioned the promise. I have, to give, I have to give my wife credit for that because she broke that down with the youth this, this last Wednesday. And I thought that was incredible. Incredibly uh, simple enough for me to understand anyway that Mary questioned the process, how is this going to happen? I'm not, I'm not disbelieving that this is possible for you, just tell me how is this going to happen? Mary questioned the process, Zechariah questioned the promise. Zechariah said, mm, you gotta give me proof because I don't believe this. Mary says, no, I believe that you can, but just, Show me how. You think Mary had uncertainty in that moment? Mary had uncertainty, but instead of her uncertainty leading her to doubt, her uncertainty led her to faith. Do you realize that uncertainty, there's, there's this crossroads that where, where uncertainty meets, where we can either turn to doubt on one side or to faith on the other side. When I don't know what to do, we used to say this in area kids a long time ago, when I don't know what to do, God is the one that I look to. I can either try and wrap my own mind around it, wrap my head around it, which is what Zechariah did. How, I don't understand this because, because my, I'm, I'm old, my wife is old, you're gonna have to show me proof because this just isn't how, I, it just cannot happen. I don't think that this is actually real. He turned to doubt. Where Mary says, okay, yes, this, I don't think that this is how this really works. Show me how this is going to work. I believe that you can. Show me how. Faith. Almost as if Proverbs chapter three tells us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. We trust in the Lord with everything and lean not on our own understanding because our own understanding and our own earthly wisdom will get us in trouble. First Corinthians tells us that our earthly wisdom is stupidity when it comes to what the Father wants to do. What we think we know isn't actually anything. It's what God, it's what God knows. It's the wisdom of the Father. Don't get caught up in your earthly wisdom. Don't get caught up in what you think you know. Don't get caught up in how you think things are going to happen. It's okay to be uncertain. That's fine. In fact, in some ways, it's good to be uncertain. Because when you're uncertain, you don't even have your own understanding to lean on. You can choose to walk in faith and say, Lord, I believe that you can do this. I believe that this is possible for you. I believe your word and I'm taking you at your word. Show me how it's going to happen.
Show me how I can partner with you to get this done. And as I close, I want to go back to one thing that I found very interesting as I was studying this out. Do you guys know what Zechariah's name means? If you're into the meaning of, of names and, and things, I think there's something uh, special about that, <coughs> about, about the meaning of, of Zechariah's name. It means the Lord remembers. It means Yahweh remembers. All that time, all that time that's going by from his very first prayer, probably as a newlywed, the Lord remembers. Even from the moment that Zechariah began to, to resign himself to, this, is, this just isn't going to happen, the Lord remembered. The Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. Listen, this, this Christmas season, this Christmas season is the perfect time to remember. This Christmas season is the perfect time to remember the goodness of God, to remember what the Lord has done for you, and to remember the promises of God. This Christmas season is the perfect time to, to realize that the Lord actually remembers what's going on with you. that you're not lost, that you're not, he's not blinded to your situation, he hasn't turned a blind eye to what you're going through, the Lord remembers, the Lord knows. And I realize that this could be a difficult time. It's a happy time, it's a time to celebrate, Christmas is a great time to celebrate, but this, this can also be a difficult time for a lot of people. For some of you, this is, this is the first Christmas since the loss of a loved one. You know, this, this might be the first Christmas since the divorce. This might be the first Christmas since you got let go. This might be the first Christmas since the diagnosis. This might be the This might be the first Christmas since the miscarriage. But the Lord remembers. This Christmas, this Christmas, remember. It's a great time to silence the busyness of life, to silence 
the busyness of our Christmas schedule and to remember what the Lord is doing, to see what the Lord is doing around us. And in the midst of uncertainty in this time, remember. In, this, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of this hardship, in the midst of pain, in the midst of uncertainty. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. God, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for just being you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.